Hello and welcome to Connected episode 298. It's made possible by our sponsors, Pingdom, ExpressVPN, and Miro. My name is Stephen Hackett, and it is an even episode, so I am introducing Federico Vatici first. Hello, I'm back. Yes, I hope you had a good time off last week. I trust that was good. I'm back, refreshed, and sun- sunburned, so mm. I'm, I'm doing okay. Do yes. you do you wear sunscreen ever? Okay, now I'm worried. I do, but I don't think it was good enough, honestly. Like mm. we we bought it like at a pharmacy, and I thought that it was super fancy. I think it's kind of not up to standard. I would say. Okay, you need more yeah. SPFs. I think. I that's that's the problem. Yes. Right. The higher the number, the better it is. Is that how it works? It th- that is uh, actually how it works. So. Okay. Yeah, I bought it for my tattoos. Like, I, I do yeah. care. Yeah, I gotta, gotta protect those, you know, especially the colored ones. Yep, you don't want those getting uh, sunburned too early. Uh, yeah, really exactly. ever, but definitely early on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike, how are you? Fine. What's the opposite of sunburn? Because I have that. Like, just uh, being pasty and <laughs> in, pale? In, 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 yeah. in Italy, we would say mozzarella. <laughs> there you go. I'm a big mozzarella boy. That's what I am. I'm milky and white. That's me. Uh, that is who I am right now. Do you go outside? Like, y'all take walks or anything, Mike? I've started doing Good. that now. Okay. I wasn't for a bit. Yeah. Are you still under lockdown? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's 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 relaxed now. Okay. Um, I like how you say, oh, wow. Like, oh, wow, look at you on your lockdown. You were in lockdown like a month before us. We were all living our I lives I just say, oh, wow, stupidly. because now we've been out of it, and it feels like we've been out of it for a long time. It's, it's Yeah, you re- are you ready to go back in? Uh, don't mention it. I think we'll... Yeah, it's getting bad here again. It's going to be, we will. Gonna be great. Yeah, it's, it's bad everywhere, right? Because like, it didn't go away. <laughs> it's still people, there. People just got bored of it. <sighs> Mike, do you want to start us? Yeah, I wanted to uh, recommend a very good episode of Last Week Tonight by uh, John Oliver, which talks a lot about the systemic racism issue in America, why it exists, which was enlightening, and what the term defunding the police actually means, because that phrase, if you don't know what that means, sounds really weird. It's a peculiar thing. Do we not want the police anymore? Like, which is a strange thing to hear. But there are a lot of really good reasons for why funding changing of the police force should be done. And I really recommend that people watch this John Oliver episode. If you're in America, you can watch it on YouTube for free. If you're not in America, you can't. Um, but wh- wherever you can get HBO or HBO content, uh, I recommend really giving this one a watch. Like I-, I found it enlightening. It helped me understand some things that I didn't know um, and is an incredibly emotionally affecting episode that people should see. So I really recommend it. Agreed. I watched it on Monday and was just completely, completely captivated. And uh, it was extremely helpful to put some context around the things that we're seeing. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think the, that show does a good job a lot of the time. I watch it weekly just about when they're on. Uh, but this one mm-hmm. is, is if you're not a regular viewer, you need to go check it out. Mm-hmm. Headline, Mac Rumors, Friday, June 5th, 2020. Oh, I like that. You should do all follow-up items in that mm-hmm. exact way. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's my news announcer voice. Yeah, it's good. Some iPhone 11 users complain of display with odd green tent we got a gate boys yes it's not a gate this is not interesting at all <laughs> it's not, I, I look i understand your issue 
I know that it is a mild annoyance for you. It's, but it, you know, do we have to keep every episode following up on the slight green tint no, of your iPhone? Nothing, it's episode. not just me. Happening. This is just other people, like a subset of other people saying that they experience the same thing as you. But there's like, where, where's the news? Like That I'm not that, alone. That you're not alone. That, yeah. Does that make well, you feel better? Now people are talking about this. Yeah. Before nobody was talking yeah, why about. Why is nobody this? talking I about this? I can't believe that nobody's talking about. Yeah, yeah. What's funny about this, and this is something that Marco has said on ATP, is that it's very hard for podcasts to like go viral. We've been talking about this for weeks, and then it took someone talking about it on Reddit for it to be a story, uh, which mm-hmm. is funny. Right. I did think, why didn't I blog about this? And then I remembered last time I blogged about an iPhone problem, it exploded in a way that I was extremely uncomfortable with. So now It wasn't a blog. The blog wasn't the yeah, problem. YouTube if you video. Blog day, it wouldn't have been an issue, but you you made a YouTube yeah. video. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not doing that and again. Also, I, I don't think the what you call Green Gauge, I don't think it's viral. I haven't seen it on TV. I haven't no. seen it on like, mainstream news. So, Meanwhile, the Hisgate video was on uh, the morning show. Or yeah, exactly. Not the morning show. So. That's a fictional TV show in Apple land. But, uh, you know, Good Morning America or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Adina could never get the the name correct for the morning show, mm-hmm. and she would always call it "Good Morning Show." Yeah, every single good time show. it was in, it was impossible to get to, to get her to say the name of the show. Correctly. Hey, I, under- I have that problem. You have that problem more than anybody mm-hmm. I know. Um, yeah, but that's that's a story for another time. People may be surprised. I'm going to tell the story now. People may be surprised uh, how often in our Google Doc I have things spelled phonetically, especially sponsor names, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, you can't get those wrong. Well, you can. Well, I do, do often, but I don't want to. Uh, I think you did a, a live show. Uh, what did I say? It was Kubernetes. Yeah, well, yeah, but no one can say that. Oh, yeah, that took like... Well, you know. Yeah, and like I Kubernetes felt like the something. eyes of the Mac Stadium people, like on the, you know, they were in the theaters, like I just felt their eyes burning into my heart. I don't know what took longer, saying Kubernetes or for Jason Snell to flip a coin. <laughs> <laughs> J- well, Jason can't flip coins, yeah. so it we, took him left- longer for sure. That's why we rehearse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we rehearse so we realize he can't flip coins, so then we don't ask him to. All right, Federico, you want to tell us about uh, we've been incorporated into an AI? Ah, yes, this is a fun project. So we received a tweet from listener Leon Overwheel. Uh, which is actually a very nice name. Um, mm-hmm. uh, says, hey guys, I wanted to share something I've been working on for a few weeks. I trained an AI to generate titles and summaries for episodes of Connected that do not exist. So there's a website uh, called thisepisodedoesnotexist.com and if you go to that website uh, slash connected, uh, specifically for this show, you will be presented um, with uh, fictional titles of fictional episodes that do not actually exist. So for example, <laughs> I just opened this, uh, this episode does not exist.com slash connected and it says connected 28, buried alive under the terms of Dropbox. <laughs> Mike and Federico discuss Federico's new iPhone case, the updated files app, and iOS 13. If only Federico could write code like Siri! Exclamation point. And that's the thing. Okay. So you- before we go on, before we go uh-huh. on, we, I think we need to explain this a little more before what we're about to do is about 10 minutes of refreshing this page yes. and screaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, uh, this wonderful listener, Liam, uh, took, I guess, our entire back catalog, right? Mm-hmm. And fed it in to this AI. Yes. Um, it's built on top of something called GPT-2, I think, is the uh, yeah. is the AI model. Yeah. 
and the, and then whenever you go to the page that Federico recommends, it will show you one of I think four hundred. Because uh, it's maybe. not generating it new every time. Like there is a limit to the amount that have been made. Five hundred have been generated, and you can go there. And the great thing is the they are actually persistent. So you can find one that you like, keep the number, and go back to it, and you'll get it again. So it's generated five hundred episode titles and descriptions yeah. based on real titles and descriptions from episodes of the show. That's correct, and it's. Sublime. And there's a there's a random episode button that you can click and you take into a new page every single time. So I just clicked it. Yes, like connected episode two hundred and fifty nine, anime and Game Boy Advance. <laughs> Game Boy Advance is dead. iPhone and iPad gameplay are shared. Canonical has a new CEO. A conversation about working on the iPad Pro. <laughs> connected three oh one mindset creeps in. Next up are more thoughts on Last FM's future. <laughs> connected 413 under the gun this week the aging hosts of connected remember their first reactions to the iphone and talk about the value of independent blogging nice okay connected 115 emergency vga (laughs) (laughs) system 76 catches up on pre-wwdc news including the disappearance of connected and remote play as well as a lot of creepy Yet soothing, whispering. <laughs> Connected two four two, game of screens. <laughs> this one I really don't understand. This week, pro- <laughs> this week, producer Neil Raddock and reporter oh. Tristan Thompson discussed. <laughs> Who are these people? Discuss the new iPhone 6s Pluses, the new Apple TV app, and, <laughs> and photo management in iWork. Wow. wow okay who are these people tristan thompson and neil ruddock i don't know i found the best title connected 243 this is the title one person two persons three persons four persons five people six people seven people eight people nine people here's oh the God. description <laughs> on the penultimate episode of connected the boys talk about oh, photo no. management smart home devices and smartphones shocking right that's what we would do for an ultimate episode. Connected 46. I think the AI went a bit rogue here. A sketch up. This week, the guys take a look at the news this week. Connected one. This is still the description. Connected 194. They belong to the world now. The future of supply chain management. Yeah, this errored out. It's just a bunch of titles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Connected 21. The sequel trilogy. The boys talk about Apple's range of earbuds, then debate productivity for a while before realizing the irony of it. (laughs) Connector 325, interview with the mentor. Mike was gifted a new television. Television. Mm. Federico supported by a great new Reddit account. And Steven continues to his to improve his iOS 12 review. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep making it better, Stephen. <laughs> so this one, I already found this one yesterday and shared it with these two, but I'll have to say it now because I think it's my favorite one. Connected 91, a life presented as a short video. <laughs> this week, The Rock tells the story of his accessories. Mike, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, of course. Of course. Uh, connected 175, global warming cancels. Global, <laughs> global warming armor <laughs> is dead, baby. Oh. 
Ex oh, parenthesis, no. except for Steven, who is still carrying <laughs> around an iPhone 7. <laughs> also, oh report, reports of, inter of interference with Apple TV remote <laughs> scripts. Okay. Mm. And China, and China looming large on the horizon. Oh, dear. Sure. Oh, dear. <laughs> Connected 60, born in bricks. This week, the guys talk about the new iPads and click some fake updates. <laughs> then iOS 13.4 is crabby, 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 and updates will be hard to come by. <laughs> <laughs> Connected 89, Call of Duty. This week, Stephen and Mike are joined by Guillermo del Toro to talk about <laughs> Disney Infinity before discussing Apple's recent environmental push. <laughs> Guillermo <Guys>. del Toro. <laughs> Connected 13, single tongue dependency. <laughs> It's all one word. This week, <laughs> St Stephen and Mike talk about Twitter and watch it, okay, before being greeted by Federico's plumber. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, well. nice. Connect to 178 Treasure Changer. After Mike reveals the source code for the next iPhone, <laughs> Stephen and Federico discuss the effect of WWDC on iOS apps and the effect that badly coded APIs have on users. Mm. Wow. Oh my god. All right, Winter Charm in the Discord just pasted Connected 38 Confessions of a Sociopath. This week, Stephen and Mike talked to Scott Forstall about <laughs> Forstall taking over Show Me a Pro, recent App Store drama, and what's going on with iOS 13.4. <laughs> Confessions of a <laughs> So, this is incredible. This is so good. Uh, Leon is the best. This is one of my favorite things that I've seen in, in a very, very long time. And remember, there are 500 of these. Connected 131, 30-second politic. I just saw this one. It's so good. This week, Stephen and Mike banter about Twitter. You always talk about Twitter, you two. Before always. Mike challenges Stephen to a game of come grocery, <laughs> giving everyone a pick of the statistically significant set of election results. Stephen wins. Year also, of Stephen! <laughs> iOS workarounds, better power management, and, well, you get the idea. Oh, wow. So, a chat uh, in, uh, merged in the Relay for Members Discord has given us an interesting challenge that I would like to Ooh. get to some at some point, that we should actually do one of those episodes. Oh my. So, just, like, pick one, and that's the episode, and we just have to work out the episode from that. That sounds like a really good annual special. Oh yes. Oh, my. Mm. I like that a lot. Which you can hear oh if you are a Relay FM member. Mm-hmm. Making a note of that. <sighs> So good. Oh my god, that's so fun. Oh, I can't. Connected 177. The title is Multi Schwab. Mm -hmm. What? Oh, this is so good. Yeah. Oh boy. Man. Okay. Let's take a break and we'll get into some news. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Pingdom from Solar Winds. While you've been listening to this podcast, how would you know if your website had gone down? How would you know if customers couldn't be clicking that buy now button or access your content? You could stumble across it by luck, but that's no good. You need a system, something to tell you that everything is running smoothly on your website. And more importantly, when things aren't running so smoothly, that system is Pingdom. It detects over 13 million outages every month 
That's more than 400,000 outages every day. Pingdom helps keep sites you love, including RelayFM, online. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company. You need alerts to any critical website issues. You can customize these alerts so they go to separate people, depending on the severity of the outage, how you get them. Plus, they track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting user experiences. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. They have a no-fuss approach to getting started. All you have to do is give them your URL, and they just take care of the rest. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. When you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for the support of this show and RelayFM. There is a new beta version of iOS. It has been renamed to 13.6. This was previously known as 13.5.5, which I found confusing because we're only on 13.5.1, but they're, uh, they're renaming it a little bit. They can't stop jumping ahead right now. Because as well, so 13.5.5 had had a beta 1. So this is iOS 13.6 beta 2 even though there was no beta 1 at 13.6, which is fun. It includes fixes. It includes changes. Like you can automatically download uh, iOS app updates now, which is a separate option to automatically installing them. Mm. Um, And there's some new stuff in the health app as well. This really isn't big news. I just wanted to talk about it because... I can never remember a time where Apple was releasing betas for an iOS version so close to WWDC. I think there was a um, maybe at least one precedent. What, which version of iOS was it that had the HomePod AirPlay 2 delay stuff? Was it like 12.4 or 11.4? Like there was one of them that came out relatively late in the cycle. And I think it was the one with the HomePod stuff, with like with the AirPlay 2 stuff, with like the multi-speaker deal. Oh, yeah. It got like just in under the yeah, wire, right? That just, like, yeah, that, that was It was close. announced at the WWDC before, and it came out just in time for the next year's WWDC. So that's the only example I can think of. But, I mean, yeah, 13... What really strikes me here is the obviously the proximity to WWDC but also the number like 13.6 like that's the sixth mm. iteration of an of a version of iOS and I don't think I've ever seen a version 0.6 of iOS yeah I don't think I've ever seen version 0.5 uh 0.6 for sure like that's news to me and it, um, it shows maybe a couple of things that maybe there were a lot of bugs to fix and that also there were a lot of features that maybe were cut and, and had to come back in time. Um, and also the the fact that this feature to, ins- to, down- to install and download updates automatically, it does feel to me like Apple really wants you to always be on the latest version of iOS so they can avoid people, you know, among other things, to avoid people jailbreaking and to make sure that people are always on the latest and, in theory, safest and better performing version of iOS. Uh, that's a good point. The jailbreak thing is a good point. So if, if you are unfamiliar, jailbreaking is back in a big way right now. Um, 
in 13.5 something, there was like a there's a zero day exploit which will allow people to jailbreak really easily. It could be that one of the reasons they are going to have another version of 13 is just to close that door if they haven't already, right? Hmm, interesting. Yeah, yeah but so uh, 13.6, I don't know if this will come out in time for WWC. Maybe it could come out. Uh, after WDC, we could have a beta for 13 and a beta for 14. Who knows? I mean, at this point, who knows if we're even going to have a beta of 14 the day of the keynote? Is there even going to be a keynote? So, Zach is telling me in the Discord that 13.5.1 fixed the jailbreak. But nevertheless, um, I was wondering, is it a surprise that we still don't have any more information about WWDC? We're 12 days away. I was expecting uh, yes. we'd have had a little bit more by now. So a couple of things. Usually you do see that press release or at least those invitations to the press saying, uh, by the way, it's official. There's going to be a keynote. And it's you know it's kind of funny because everybody knows there's going to be a keynote. And uh, there's going to be a keynote and it's going to be 10 a.m. And new member of the press are invited. And so you know that it's official. There's going to be a keynote. Now, it may be that uh, so I see a couple of things here. Uh, obviously, Apple is running late, and because of everything that's been happening between the lockdown and the protests in the United States, you know, delays mm-hmm. would be acceptable. Also, m- it could be that maybe they are work- doing something that involves members of the press, but those are discussions being held privately, and they don't have the usual press release going out on, on the Apple newsroom. That could be that could be a potential um, thing that's happening. Or maybe there's no keynote. Maybe it's like a pre-recorded video that goes up like a Nintendo Direct and there's nobody to invite. There's nothing to pre-announce. It's just going to happen. Now, I still think it's going to be kind of awkward. So I still think there's there must be, at some point, an announcement of like what is this WWDC going to entail for developers? Yep. Like, are you going to mm-hmm. tell me what I'm supposed to do? Like, starting June 22... Like what? I just sit in front of my computer and wait for something to happen? So I think there's going to be an announcement of some kind at some point. Yeah, I'm very curious. So just just to clarify, like Apple has said there will be a keynote, but keynote can be anything. Right, yes. Um, like it basically just means, well, like the, the phrase keynote, it just means there will be an announce- some kind of video. Presentation, yes presentation like i i am i don't know you know like me and jason were talking about this uh, a couple of days ago um i'm not sure if it's going to be like a video like a nintendo direct or something they do in the steve jobs theater with socially distanced staff members in the audience like it's i don't know how they're gonna do it right like it, i can't put every time i think i have an idea it slips away from my brain right like oh they'll do it like they did that craig federighi thing about the magic keyboard mm-hmm. is what i think one day and then i'm mm-hmm. like well staff are going back to apple park so they could just do it there right mm-hmm. like i can't get my head around what will be the right way to do it like uh, probably a mix of all of those things i guess but i have i have no idea i've got it i know what they're gonna do okay remember that week that tim cook just tweeted pictures of things and then those things went for sale mm-hmm. maybe it's just a tweet thread okay and of course he'd kind of mess with the threading halfway through and have to restart it but screenshots yeah like maybe maybe the simplest solution would be there is going to be a keynote and it's going to be streamed live and it is going to be like the most obvious answer. They're going to use the Steve Jobs Theater and there's going to be socially distant um, 
Apple employees in the audience. And then there's going to be... That would be my personal preference for what they do. Yes. As, a, because as opposed to like a, going a to video. So then what they yes. would do is that like relatively standard keynote, but with a lot more pre-recorded videos. Yes. that That's what I want. Because that will feel the most normal. So to you me. still have a person on stage or a collection of people on stage, but you do obviously get a lot more pre-recorded stuff. Yeah, if they do people on stage, I guarantee you that like it will be one person goes left, the other person comes right. Yeah, like no one will pass right because it's getting too close to each other. Yeah, so like it will be like this revolving like track of people. But I would I I would love to see that like because that's what would make me feel. Like, this is a WWDC. Like, a bunch of, like, really heavily produced videos, one after the other, like a Nintendo Direct, is going to feel weird. I mean, and if that's what they do, it's what they do. I just want the information. Um, But I feel like it will be some stage of some description and some videos of some description. Um, And that's kind of how they'll do it. That that feels like like a more of a possibility now than it did a little bit ago. So I don't know. But the thing that I was more referring to is like the actual way that WWDC will run for developers. I was thinking we would have gotten a bit more detail on that by now. Yeah. Yeah. But there's been nothing. Probably it will be next week now that they say, but it's just it was just a surprise to me. They could do it however they want to do it. They don't have to do anything. But I just I would just assumed it would have been uh, would have been like more formally announced by now. Personally speaking, my my big question mark right now is, uh, first of all, the timeline of it all. Like, is there going to be a first beta of iOS 14? Assuming it's going to be called that, available uh, soon after the keynote. And is Apple um, forecasting a release date in, um, I mean, I assume in the fall, but are they going to say this is coming out in September or in October, are they going to give us like, I, I again, I'm assuming that the timeline will be different this year, um, especially to accommodate for the iPhones, which in theory, the rumors are saying are coming in later than usual. Uh, yeah. Does that apply to software as well? So I am obviously, unsurprisingly, very curious about that. I think the most they will give you is just in fall. In the fall. Because I don't even think in previous times they've even said it will be out in September, have they? Uh, like, I can't imagine them being like, oh, it'll come out in September. Like, they always just say the fall, the fall. So or later this it'll year. It'll be the fall and, yeah, who knows. And then it'll be probably whenever it's ready. Because I guarantee you they will have, after last year, a plan in place for phones ready, iOS isn't ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? I mean, they, they will have that plan in place now anyway because of what happened last year, but like a definitely because of this year. Like those phones surely will be made to also run 13 fine, right? Um, not necessarily worrying about 14, but we'll have to wait and see. I feel sorry for you, Federico. You, you've, you felt, yeah. With the, well, with the, with the timeline. I. I'll have to figure something out. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That'll be interesting. Breaking news, guys. Uh, yeah, oh. I also have some. I see your notes, Stephen, uh-huh. and I have something to follow up on your real-time follow-up. Okay, so I just got an email because I'm an iBooks publisher, uh, but they also have a support document. Apple is killing off iBooks author in favor of pages. So if mm-hmm. people aren't familiar, iBooks author was announced 
2012 or so, long time ago. Remember that big, like that event in New York they did, like, we're going to make textbooks and make teachers give tools, teachers make them make textbooks. Didn't really go anywhere, but it's been around a long time. I did my book in it. Federico, I think you've worked in it as well. I know David Sparks has. iBooks Author was cool in the sense that you could do a lot of stuff in your books, but it was extremely buggy and slow and just kind of a terrible application. A few years ago, they started adding things to pages like EPUB export and some, not all the cool stuff iBooks Author can do, but a lot of it. And they have now said that iBooks Author will no longer be updated. You soon won't be able to download it anymore. You can continue to use it on 10.15 and earlier. So, you know, I don't know if there'll be support next year for it. Uh, And they're building an importer into pages. So what I'll do at some point is probably take my iBooks author file and import it into pages and see what breaks if I need to update that book at some point. Uh, Not a surprise, iBooks author has been slowly decaying and and it wasn't in a very healthy state to begin with, but it is uh, officially over for iBooks author. Yeah, which makes me very sad because I'm pretty sure that there's still a lot of iBooks author features that have not found their way to pages and for sure yeah. not into pages on iOS and iPadOS. So hopefully we'll see we'll see some updates on this front to accommodate for this discontinuation at WWDC. Yeah, what's the conspiracy theory, right? They're doing it just before WWDC. What's the conspiracy theory about this? There's got to be one. They don't they don't want this to overtake all the news about new versions of software which it clearly would. <laughs> yeah, or maybe they just have a you know the next version of Pages is going to have a bunch more things for publishing ebooks, which honestly I would very very much welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the other thing, it's not the only thing they're discontinuing today. Uh say goodbye to iTunes U. So iTunes U is going to be discontinued at the end of 2021. Um, There's a support document uh, that says um, June 2020 update. Well, not an update as much of an explanation of what's going to (laughs) happen. This is like the worst way to say update. The update is, you're dead. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Apple has been hard at work building the next generation of apps for both teachers and students. So basically the argument is uh, we now offer Classroom, which turns your iPad into a powerful teaching assistant, and we have Schoolwork, which helps teachers save time and maximize each student's potential. And at the end, it says... In addition to classroom and school work, which are two separate products, Apple intru- also introduced School Manager, and we now have uh, we have apps like Pages, Numbers, Keynote, GarageBand, iMovie, Clips, okay, and Swift Playgrounds. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. Um, with this in mind, this is the last sentence. With this in mind, Apple will discontinue iTunes U at the end of 2021 iTunes U will continue to be to be available to all existing customers through the 2020-2021 educational year. So by the mm. end of next year, iTunes U is gone, which does not surprise me because this hasn't got any meaningful updates in, in, in a few years. Mm-hmm. So the cleaning, uh, you know, spring cleaning just before WWDC. Today, Apple settles set, all family business, it seems. Mm-hmm. Taking care of the whole situation. Mm-hmm. What's next on the chopping block? Ah, that's a good question. <laughs> Safari reading list? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> honestly. Uh, no, I really hope that gets, be- that gets better, WWC. Um, it's just orange icons, though, right? They both had orange icons. Any orange icon. Pages is going to go. Oh, no. 
and <laughs> unexpected consequences. Uh, yeah, I think this this too like makes sense. I cannot think of any other utility. Uh, no, because Final Cut Remote got an update recently. Clips, they're still doing updates on that. Um, yeah, I guess these two. Motion and Compressor, like those still get updates for uh, the Final Cut. I opened Motion a couple of weeks ago working on a video. I was like, oh, maybe I'll do some like cool motion stuff. I, like, I This is terrifying. I just closed it and walked, <laughs> walked away. There could be something in here about Apple maybe like refocusing their education teams. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I would imagine there was a bit of an overlap between the iBooks author teams and like some of the the, the education teams because I can. They always spoke about iBooks author being a thing for education, right? Like that was one of the big parts of it, right? If I'm remembering correctly, that like you could make textbooks in it and stuff like that, and that was something that they were really pushing. And considering how learning has changed over the last three months. There could be an element here of them kind of repositioning stuff. Be like, all right, we're going to make some advancements on our current products, like uh, classwork and is it classroom and schoolwork. Yeah. Is that the, are they mm-hmm. the names of them? Uh, and School then room, like classwork. saying, and we're going to leave that stuff in, in the past and we're going to move forward with these new products. So they stop having to like drag along uh, iBooks author, mm-hmm. for example. So I just want to say that Texas Hold'em outlived both iTunes U and iBooks author. Oh, it came back. Well, didn't just so, didn't just outlive. It, it like revived. Revi- they never did an iBooks author with n- new graphics. Yeah, you know, I used I used iBooks author for my like seven years ago when I did the the ebook version of my editorial review. Yeah, that yep. was all done back when I used to be a Mac user. It yeah. was all done. It was all done in in iBooks author. I actually kind of loved iBooks author. I used it for Aqua and Bondi. Bondi, say it both ways. Yeah. Yeah, that book. And it's like every time I saved it, I was like, is now the time a MacBook Pro catches fire? Because it's like so nerve wracking. Uh, we'll put in the show notes as well a link. Bradley Chambers, who's, you know, one of the leading sort of Apple education writers, uh, his take on this and what he thinks about it. And I think I think like iBooks author, iTunes U going away is probably not a, a huge surprise. You know, Apple has actually, I think earlier this year or last year sort of announced that, hey, like we're doing iTunes U content into podcasts. Like they sort of broke off some of the features and moved them into Apple Podcasts. So probably not a, a huge surprise, but still some changes. The iBooks author icon features a fountain pen. So I will, uh, I'll be sad when that goes. I'm sure I used iBooks author for something at some point, but I never released it. But I'm sure I made a book of my own. Back when you used to be a book writer. You know... Like- I actually did start writing a book once. I got like many tens of thousands of words into it and then abandoned it. And I'm so pleased that I did. You're kidding what me, right? About? Well, well, no, I'm not kidding. It was a, a, a guide to podcasting. Oh, I thought it was like And I'm just fiction. so pleased okay. that I never released it because when I was writing it, I didn't know anything, <laughs> turns out, compared to what I know now. And there are people that are way better at that kind of stuff than me. Do you still have a draft of it? Uh, social distancing selfies. Boys, you want to take some selfies? Because uh, mm. Apple's got a patent on a new... Adi- Look, patents, typically, we don't cover them. But this one was interesting and, and feels like something that if you patent this, it's to be done soon, uh, You right, for this exact thing. like So the, the patent filing uh, talks about allowing you to take pictures of people over the internet, making them appear to be with you. So apparently it would connect people via something like FaceTime. So for so I would be able to right now, 
call you both up somehow with this social distancing selfie app, which will probably be built into the camera, and I could take a picture and it looked like the two of you were behind me. I mean, this is just sad, right? We we all agree that well, this is yes. just sad. It's sad, but this is the world that we're but in, and if this is the world that we're have in, you know. To be, like, so I have a lot of uh, thoughts and feelings about this stuff, like... Uh, they also spill into like the more general topic of entertainment. Like I see in Italy, some TV networks are doing these programs. Uh, like there's one starting, I believe, next week or today, maybe called like Quarantine Diaries, and it's like yep. a documentary about following people inside their houses during the lockdown. And that like there's I- a show starting here called uh, I think it's called like Lockdown Wedding or something like that. Explain to me. Explain to me how is that entertainment? It just makes me sad. Like, and they show a trailer with like people crying because they cannot leave the house, like people getting mm-hmm. haircuts in 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 inside because they cannot go out anymore. Mm-hmm. Especially now that we are sort of almost kind of past it. Like, is that really entertainment? Like, do you really want to feed me stuff that reminds me of that horrible situation that we had to live through? Jobs have to be done. TV schedules have to be filled. I mean, so just them, do re- you know? reruns of something, <laughs> you know. Uh, mm, or, yeah. I, uh, so yeah, social distance selfies. Okay, I just it it just seems very sad to me. Uh, just use FaceTime. I don't I I don't understand why. But how do you take a selfie? Uh, do, take a screenshot. Like it's that. No, but I want it to look like you're standing over my shoulder. You know. <laughs> but it's, you know it's gonna look super fake. Like I, don't I know. prefer you to be standing with me. You know, Federica. Look, I'm all for say? I'm all I'm all for like actually useful um, COVID related features like contact tracing, which uh, yeah. I, I'm using now because we have the government app and it's incredible. Like I'm super happy about that. But this stuff and the entertainment stuff, like, is it even, is it really necessary? Like, I get it. It's it's a it's a neat idea. It just it just makes me sad to mm. think about it. Yeah, now I can take a socially distant selfie with my mom because I cannot go visit my mom. Like, that's super sad. In theory, I guess they they're using like the true depth camera when you take a selfie and they cut out the background and they put you together and maybe they let you oh, choose yeah. a scene. That's, that's going great. Uh, exactly so if you remember <laughs> you know i mean you take a look at clips right clips has a feature that that uses the two depth sensor and it puts you on top of certain backgrounds mm-hmm. uh, like tokyo or uh, the eiffel tower or something and they look pretty okay but obviously they look very much fake so i don't know how you can make a, a selfie with another person together that it's being done remotely look real so i guess you just go for extra fake so like funny backgrounds and that sort of stuff but at the point is really a selfie so that's my argument well let's take a break this episode of connected is brought to you by express vpn you might think that nobody would want your online data to snoop on you but when you browse the web without anything to protect your privacy you risk hackers ad companies and more collecting your data and it does happen to everyday people which is why I recommend ExpressVPN. It runs in the background of your computer or phone, encrypts your data, and hides your public IP address. You just download the app, click to connect, and you're protected. It's the number one VPN service by TechRadar, and it uses cutting-edge technology called Trusted Server to make sure there's no logs of what you're doing online. It costs less than $7 a month and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. 
I use ExpressVPN just uh, the other day. I had to take my truck into the shop and I wanted to get some work done, but there's no way I'm going to use like the sketchy tire shop's Wi-Fi. The tire shop wasn't sketchy, but their Wi-Fi. You know what I'm saying? You don't get a Wi-Fi you don't know. And so I was on my iPad Pro, clicked on ExpressVPN, and I was off to the races. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash connected. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash connected for three months free with a one-year package. Take back your online privacy at expressvpn.com slash connected. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of the show and all of Relay FM. Mark Gurman at Bloomberg is reporting that Apple is planning to unveil the ARM transition at WWDC with new ARM Mac hardware being available to purchase in 2021. Quote from the article, uh, Apple engineers worried that sticking to Intel's roadmap would delay or derail some future Macs. Inside Apple, tests of new Macs with the ARM-based chips have shown sizable improvements over Intel-powered versions, specifically in graphics performance and apps using artificial intelligence, the people said. Apple's processors are also more power-efficient than Intel's, which may mean thinner and lighter Mac laptops in the future. And apparently Apple is working on three ARM chips for Macintoshes at the moment. I have some things to say before we get into this. One, yeah, I'm sure it's better in graphics performance because Apple uses really sad graphics parts. Like the Intel stuff they use, the built-in stuff isn't great. But even on machines with discrete video cards or like better video cards, there's a lot better stuff out there than what Apple's using <coughs> NVIDIA, <coughs> you know, whatever happened there. So it's uh, like, yeah, I'm sure it is better in graphics performance. As far as the other stuff, like apps using AI, like is that a thing normal people care about? Like, I don't know. I just, I found like the reasons that they would maybe do it that German lists as sort of a weird collection of things. Yeah, but I guess like this is... Well, right, but... What are the things that are important to Apple, right? Sure. Like mm. artificial intelligence would be yes. for sure, uh, and power efficiency would be for sure. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're the thing. These are like two of the main reasons why they would do it, along with the fact of like they want the control. Yes. Intel's messing things up for them. You know, like these are these are just other reasons why it would be beneficial. Like I'm sure that you could end up drawing a thing and saying, "Oh, it's better for AR as well," which like no one on the Mac cares about except for Apple, right? Because it's important to them uh, that this that these these things are being uh, considered because it's their, what their roadmap looks like, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I- I think this has this has made a lot of a lot of sense to me for a long time, and I'm a big fan of this rumor, because, and I say this from from sort of like an outsider, right? I I don't use a Mac as my primary machine. I use it a couple of times each week to record podcasts, but this really excites me because of two reasons. One of them is it fits with the idea of controlling all the primary technologies that you rely on. Um, I'm a big fan of that principle. Um, I try to apply that principle to my own work. And also, it's the kind of idea that, if we, if we want to be nostalgic about it, that Steve uh, Jobs he used to bring up a lot, 
the idea of owning the complete set of primary technologies that you depend on. You actually make them yourself so you have full control over your destiny. That would basically be the argument. And I think that makes a lot of sense. So you don't depend on... Um, well, it used to be Motorola, now Intel, to actually make chips for you because you make them yourself. And so you are the master of your own destiny and your own timeline, which is a, is a principle and approach that I really like. Um, and secondly, I think this is really exciting because it paints a picture of sort of like a unified Apple platform, but not in a way that, that a lot of people would suggest. So a lot of people would say, oh, Apple is going down the road of a single Apple OS and a single platform that essentially lets you run iPad apps on the Mac and iPhone apps on the Mac and, and, and Mac apps on an iPad. And I, and I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think, in fact, it's, it's a lot more subtle than that and a lot more clever than that. So if you think about it, wh why is a big deal that Apple is going to make its own chips for, for Macs? And so I think, we, first of all, we need to reframe how this news is presented. A lot of people just say ARM on the Mac. And I don't think that necessarily paints the right picture for it. So start thinking about it as Apple chips on the Mac. I think that's reframing that mm. could be useful to understand why this is a big deal in terms of if you have Apple chips on the Mac, it means you have consistency, right? With the same chips that run on the iPhone and the iPad. And because of that, you, with that consistency, to developers, you can tell the following story, the following narrative. Now, with Apple chips on the Mac, you have the same great performance. You have the same, um, you know, set of APIs. For example, you can all you can access Metal uh, with the same performance and the same set of instructions everywhere, and you have a, a a common set of tools, right? That is consistent everywhere. But then, instead of saying we're just going to unify everything and there's going to be a single OS and nothing is really going to be optimized for anything. No, you are, you are going to have separate OSs. So you have macOS, iOS, and iPadOS. And you, have gonna, you are going to have separate apps when you think about it. So you have a macOS app, and you have an iPhone app and an iPad app. But then you have things like Catalyst, and you have things like SwiftUI. And on the distribution side, you have things like universal apps. So you do have consistency at the very at the very low level, right? You have the same Apple chips and you have the same, for example, cloud services and you have the App Store. But then every single piece of it is optimized for the platform that it runs on. So on the Mac, you have apps that take advantage of the, the cursor and mm, the windowing system and that sort of stuff. And on iPad, you can use drag and drop and you can use the pencil. And on the iPhone, you have, uh, I don't know, haptic, haptic feedback, for example, and a different form factor and cellular connectivity, all that sort of stuff, and the camera. Um, so I think it makes a lot more sense rather than like this approach, if this is indeed the approach, it completely sidesteps all these arguments that, that we've seen of, oh, the iPad should run macOS or, oh, it should just be a single Apple operating system that runs everywhere. You do end up, and at the end of it, with a unified app platform because you have, at the lowest level, a consistent experience everywhere based on the same Apple chips and the same cloud services and the same, for example, additions to it, like the neural engine, for example, 
Um, but then every single piece of the ecosystem is optimized for what it is. So you have iPhone apps that work great on the iPhone and Mac apps that continue to work great on the Mac. And from the outside, as somebody who's so used to the iPhone and the iPad, the idea of more developers will now be able to more quickly and more easily carry over their stuff to the Mac while still be able to optimize for the Mac. That sounds incredible to me. And if on top of that you add the benefits of, oh, performance is going to be so much better and a MacBook's uh, battery is going to last so much longer and the thing is going to get thinner over time and you're not going to have to wait for somebody else to make a chip for you, that sounds, ju- that sounds very, very good to me. So I just feel like, though, reframing the conversation as um, this is a, you know, a massive transition to Apple making the same thing everywhere, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think it makes sense to have at the very, very low level the same foundation and then each piece of the pie is optimized for its own nature, if that makes sense. I I think it does make a lot of sense. And I think they're already going down that path now. I mean, look at something like Swift UI, which once it's fully baked, which it's it's not now, it delivers all of that. You know, I think I think that's definitely where they're going. So yeah. I mean I'm I am very curious to see what they do here, and I do feel like if this is one of the big announcements for uh, WWC 2020, this is going to be a big chunk of the keynote, whatever that keynote oh, is yeah. going to look like. And mm-hmm. I assume a very, an even bigger chunk of the State of the Union, assuming there is going <laughs> to yeah. be a State of the Union. Yeah. So. They have said there's going to be a keynote. They just haven't said what it'll look like. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it'll definitely dominate the the State of the Union and probably a lot of the the labs as well. Uh, I, I do want to talk a little bit about what this could look like on the Mac and not in the sense of what the products may be like, although I think we're going to get to that, but some of the like the nitty gritty of a transition. This would be the third CPU transition the Mac has undergone. They've, they've undergone from the classic Mac OS to Mac OS X. Apple's really good at this, but there's always like real questions and and a really important one and maybe maybe honestly the most important one is emulating x86 on arm so to rewind the clock a bit when intel Macs started coming out there were a bunch of big titles like microsoft office and photoshop etc that weren't ready for intel on day one and apple included in Tiger and Leopard software called Rosetta that allowed PowerPC applications to run on those Intel Macs. Now, there was a bit of a performance hit, but it was better than not having Photoshop or not having Microsoft Word until Adobe and Microsoft had those applications ready. Uh, in, in Gruber's piece, which we'll link to in the show notes, you know, he says, well, there hasn't really been any rumor about you know what this Rosetta could look could look like this time around and he said that if he would to bet right now he would say there's no x86 emulation on arm max but i think that they're i think they may they may have to have it for those big big projects right if, if you can say well i can't buy an arm mac because it doesn't run photoshop yet that's pretty bad even mm-hmm. though the apple's way bigger than it was last time they did this I just I don't see how they get away without doing this this time around. Yeah, 
I don't I don't think there's any I don't think there's any way that they're just gonna say um this is gonna happen and these computers want these new computers that we're gonna sell that are gonna have these Apple chips in in them. Uh, they will not run Photoshop in any way unless Adobe supports them when these computers actually go out. That feels very unlikely to me. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, counterpoint. What if like they've spent time identifying the applications that would need to move and have been working with those companies already? Oh, sure. Like, What if Microsoft and Adobe already have versions of their apps running well, those are two different things. I would imagine that if you're Microsoft or Adobe and this is coming in two weeks, you you already know about it. It's not going to yeah. be a surprise as your employees like watching the live stream at home. But knowing about it and working in advance doesn't mean that it's going to be ready on time. And especially something like Photoshop in particular where there's so much stuff under the hood they have to move. Look, they how long did it take between a demo of Photoshop on the iPad and it finally shipping and then it shipped without basic features, right? Like, I, I don't know if, I, I just don't see them being ready because they've never been ready. Do they have an ARM version for Windows? I'm not sure. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. But also, it's a, you're taking a pretty big bet um, if you don't have any any backwards compatibility, any emulation layer going. You're taking a pretty big bet on like all kinds of apps for all kinds of industries mm-hmm. that maybe at the moment offer. Like maybe you work in in I don't know um, space engineering, and you have this particular application that runs on the Mac. And now the new Mac com- comes out and you want to get the new Mac, but you cannot run that app for your job because they mm-hmm. don't have... Mm-hmm. It comes from this unknown development studio and they don't have a new version ready and you cannot emulate that app on, on your new Mac. And sure... Not that I am attempting to paint a position here of my own feelings, but just again to give another point to that. I would feel like if that was the kind of job you had... You wouldn't buy a new sure. Mac that is I mean, sure, anyway, just maybe. in case. Uh, you know, if it's twice I, as fast, you may be really tempted to. And some real time follow up. There doesn't seem to be a version of Photoshop for Windows on ARM. Okay. It will emulate the 32 bit version will emulate on top of Windows for ARM, which we're going to talk about in a second. But they, as of okay. December, with this blog post, um, doesn't seem like it's uh, it's a thing. It just feels like, do you, are you, as Apple, are you in the position to say, we are going to do this major transition and we don't care about anything that came before it? Like, are you, can you afford to do that right now? But what if, again, don't believe this, just saying, what if this was like, uh, you know what, App Store or Go Home? Again, are you in a position to do that? <laughs> like, I don't know. No. <laughs> I don't think they are. The position is that is that they are sort of making this comeback for with yeah. Max as the machines for creative professionals, this big apology tour that they've been doing for the past year. And we all know that creative professionals, they do, most of them, they rely on tools and apps that don't necessarily come from the app store and that don't necessarily, are not necessarily updated every couple of weeks. And so, 
if you're selling those machines to those people, are you in the position to say, oh, by the way, these new ones, we do love our creative professionals, but we are now imposing all these new rules upon you. Yeah. I don't know, it just feels counterintuitive to do that. But, so again, another point. What if they have no uh, immediate plan of transitioning the professional well that's just bad management then much like like no as in like what they're saying is like we're not we're starting with the consumer line and it's going to be a multiple year transition okay yeah i could see that you know like yeah but people run photoshop and microsoft word on macbook airs too people cross those lines in all sorts of places and that problem is gonna come up eventually you're still gonna have to talk about it at some point like yeah you can say oh this is a multi-year deal which okay I can I can actually see that, but still, as Steven said, like uh, I'm not a designer, but occasionally I do need to use Photoshop. Um, so what? Uh, and to say it wouldn't surprise me if Apple had worked with Microsoft and Photoshop already to make sure that they will be in place whenever those products launch, mm. so people continue to have a good yeah. experience. I mean, right? Like, hope that would not surprise me. Emulation or no emulation. I just don't have faith in those companies to get it done. Uh, anyways, let's move on because there's a lot of here. So Gruber also thinks about transition hardware. We spoke about this before, but the Intel Switch, they had this weird tower that had a, a basically a PC in it that ran Mac OS, and that was your transition hardware. You had to give it back or they would come and take your children. Jason and others have considered that the iPad Pro could be this transition thing that maybe you can like flash it to run Mac OS somehow. The touchscreen doesn't work, but you have a keyboard and trackpad. Uh, I don't know. Um, he doesn't think that that would be doable because of RAM limitations. And like, how much RAM is in the new iPad Pro? Six gigs. Six. Yeah, like you could run Catalina or whatever's after Catalina on six. It wouldn't be pretty, but it would do it. Yeah, but can you imagine the precedent that it sets to see Mac OS on an iPad? Like that's just a bad image for Apple, I think. Like even yeah. if it's just I, a developer thing. Ar- yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've come around uh, to thinking that it will be a Mac Mini. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a perfect one. I think you just get the the Mini, and it's got just the specs that you need, and then yeah. everything else you can use whatever you already own: display, keyboard, and stuff. Yeah. Because uh, so the the reasons I've been thinking Mac Mini is, it's the cheapest mm-hmm. um it's easy to ship yeah yeah it's small it's very small it's small it plugs into existing setups that people have or can attain relatively easily and also i would expect it is easier and cheaper to change out the internals of a mac mini to something that it wasn't it built for than a laptop hmm. yeah right the, the laptops feel more like they are designed to have exactly what's in them and nothing more and changing any component in one of the laptops seems to, I would assume, be quite a big thing. And I would expect that the Mac Mini maybe has a little bit more room inside of it to, to play around with. And it's a machine that you probably won't be able to keep, right? This is a, a temporary mm-hmm. <laughs> temporary thing. And so uh, a Mac Mini is like, yeah, you're going to send it back and people aren't going to want to keep them as much as... And they don't want them broken. Yeah. Like laptops are easy to break. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, that that's kind of where where I'm thinking. Like maybe this is the Mac Mini's time to shine. So yeah, I, I would think I'm on board with that too. You know, I was thinking a notebook for a little while, but then all the things you said, like, well, it's more expensive and harder to do, and 
see because everyone will agree that the the a notebook will be the first consumer yeah. product and i think that then we're just like oh a macbook will be the first arm mac so then we all just think that the transition hardware will be a macbook yeah. right but like the transition hardware will never be on sale would be the expectation right same as the last time like i was just hearing james thompson describe it on uh mac powers episode with you where it was like a g5 and opened it up and it was just a tiny board yep. inside because they just had to have some shell that they could throw it in and ship it mm-hmm. to people. And I didn't know this, but James mentioned it, that all the developers that developed with those systems got a free Intel iMac. I didn't know that. It's cool. Yeah. Nice. So moving on, uh, Windows support. So with Intel, it was a big deal that you could run Windows, you know, parallel VMware Fusion virtual box. I remember in the early days, people trying to figure out how to boot Intel Max into Windows, then Apple released Bootcamp versus a beta, and then initially a product, and then a product they forgot about. So I guess that'll be on that list of things killed at some point, probably. Uh, probably this point. So a, a lot of this comes from a conversation I had with our friend Stephen Trout-Smith. So thank you for clarifying some things for me. It is easy to talk about. Well, like Windows has Windows on ARM. Like you can buy an ARM powered PC and it has Windows on it. At this point though, Windows ARM isn't offered as a standalone product. It, it Yeah, and they're also changing it, right? Cuz it's going to be um 10x going into the yeah, future. Yeah, eventually, yeah. Isn't even a thing properly yet. Right. So like Microsoft are already going through their own Windows on an ARM thing. Then they're, they're not in a place to be caring about putting it on right. Uh, 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 MacBook, right? They got their own stuff going on. So you have the fact that it's not a thing you can go buy, right? To to install, even on ARM, most software for Windows. We talked about this with Photoshop a second ago. Runs in 32-bit emulation mode on top of Windows for ARM, because they don't have 64-bit support on for applications for Windows on ARM. So you're talking about emulating. Or virtualizing, I should say, virtualizing an OS that is then emulating the software it's running. It's like you're several layers down now, so that may not be that may not be super super awesome. That's, and that would be horrible, right? Like that would run so badly, uh, and it limits <laughs> the usefulness of Windows on ARM. There are some applications that can't do that, or they have big performance hits if they do that. Uh, moving on, Apple would need to add support for running virtual machines on their processors. This got technical with my conversation, and I I don't under I don't claim to fully understand this how, how it works at the chip level. But in short, the A style chips that Apple is shipping aren't capable of running software and virtualization the way that we think about it now. So that that would need to be a change. Which of course, Apple to your point, Federico, they have control, so they could change it, but it's a change they would have to make. Yeah. Uh, so virtual machines, probably no go. And then talking about boot camp, boot camp doesn't actually solve any of these issues, really. I mean, maybe if it was a product that was useful, you could boot to it. But with the T2 chip and secure boot, Apple's already been moving to close off multi-OS booting. So there's a support document in the show notes that talks about secure boot. So if you don't have a T2 Mac, you haven't come across this. But... You have three options. You have full security, which means the signed OS currently trusted by Apple can run. You have medium security, so any version of a signed OS ever trusted by Apple can run. So that's the one you need to be on 
for boot camp, I believe. And they have no security. Do not enforce any requirements. Boot whatever you want. And then there's an option to disallow or allow external media booting. So Apple's already building in these systems to the Mac to make it harder to boot from another OS besides Mac OS and an external media. So why would they, if you're going to build an ARM Mac, which means the T2 stuff can probably come in board or get better, why would you go through all the work to make this machine boot from other operating systems when Apple's moving in the other direction currently? I just, I just don't, I don't think that jives with what they've been doing already. So I kind of think that just Windows on Macs are just, is just going to go away. I think it's the end. Yeah, that time is over. Yep, that's done. That time is done. I, I would assume there are not a big portion of their user base doing this. I, I, I would imagine that it's not massive. That There is definitely some, and our listeners would be disproportionate. So please don't contact me to tell me you do it. Like, I'm, I know people do it. I know people that do it. But my expectation is boot camp is not that high a priority for Apple anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, really, it was only... I don't know if it was ever a priority. I think it was just something that could happen, so they just went with it. This is not going to be a thing that I could imagine that they would jump through the hoops mm-hmm. that have been described here to make work. Mm-hmm. Like, they would just be like, it just doesn't work anymore. That's it. If you want to keep doing it, but- stick on Intel for a while. And then eventually, when you want to upgrade, you'll need a PC. Or buy a PC. That's what they're yeah, tell you. buy a PC. Yeah. 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 So I think, I think this is coming to an end in the ARM era. Hey, Stephen. Mm-hmm. How much did your computer cost? I don't want to talk about that. Just as roughly. That was, like, a lot. How, how, how much could one spend on a computer like the one <laughs> you that you You didn't buy own? a computer. You bought a monument. <laughs> <laughs> Ah. How you happy about that, buddy? How does it feel to be the owner of a computer like yours? It right was now? great. I mm. think Steve Trouton Smith put it the best. Would you like to read what Steve Trouton Smith tweeted? I think you should read it. I don't want to read it. That Mac Pro looks like a giant ten thousand dollar coffin of obsolescence right about now. I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong, but it's a long time before it's obsolete. But which I want to talk but, about. Yes, but proportional to value to obsolescence is like it, it's a very different equation to what it had been in the past. Plus, I would just add an addendum that people like you, like the enthusiast person that bought this, will want one of these ARM Macs. Oh yeah, when there's an ARM MacBook, even if it's like the wimpy, like a low end MacBook, I feel like an obligation to to cover it and talk about it. So there'll be one in my house as soon as possible. I don't think that's the reason you'll buy it, but that's a good reason. The reason is you'll want it. You will want it, which is the same reason that you spent the amount of money you spent on the computer that you now use is because you are a diehard Mac enthusiast. Um, But there is just a thing of like, it made perfect sense for Apple to build, engineer, release this machine even though they knew they were moving to ARM, yeah. right? Because it makes so much sense for it to exist. In, in fact, really, there is an argument to be made that 
an ARM transition makes the idea of something like a Mac Pro that has an Intel chip in it even more important in a weird way because like you should still have that high-end line covered for a long period of time for the space person that Federico was talking about earlier mm-hmm. on, right? That like you still have these machines that because of their cost and time of development will be around for a long time, but it does make it a little bit more tricky uh, for the person like Stephen who wanted it more than needed it. Sure. It's all fair. I don't want to throw you under the bus here. I'm pleased you bought the Mac Pro. Yeah, me too. And, you know, I'm not too concerned about it being obsolete any sooner because of this. So, again, Mm -hmm. like looking at how they did it last time, Tiger for Intel launched or was announced in the summer of 2005. The first Intel Mac shipped in January 06. All Macs were Intel by the summer of 06. Snow Leopard went Intel only in the fall of 2009. So you had three years of the end of Tiger, Leopard, and then Snow Leopard said, hey, you know, no more PowerPC Macs. And I remember... How long was that those Macs or Leopard supported until, though? Was, was, did Leopard continue to have a life after Snow Leopard? Just under security updates. Right. But, like, that's the important part, though. Like, that's kind of what I'm referring to. Yeah, yeah. So say that the first... RMAC comes out in 2021, you have OS support till 2023, 2024, and then you get two to three years of security updates past that, because currently Apple rele- uh, releases security updates for N-2, so right now it's Catalina, Mojave, and High Sierra get security updates. So that's mm-hmm. really five, six, seven years of support, depending on you know which way the pie gets cut. And that's assuming that the ARM transition moves as quickly as the Intel one did, which I think a lot of people wonder that. Again, going back to Gruber's piece, he says, well... I think it will move faster. I think it will go quicker. Well, well, Gruber's point is we just haven't seen Apple's high-end ARM chips, but they wouldn't be doing this if they couldn't make an iMac Pro Mm -hmm. or a Mac Pro run with (laughs) ARM processors. So, you know, if I get six or seven years of software support out of this computer, yeah, like I I really would want 10, uh, but six or seven isn't... Great, but it's not a nightmare. Like, I don't regret buying this thinking that RMAX are right around the corner, especially because I think that just like on the Intel Switch, the, the Power Mac to the Mac Pro was the last one. And I think that will be the case for this too. And I think there could be a case that m- maybe Apple supports the Xeon machines longer than the the other Intel machines because they were so expensive and so high end. I don't know. I think, I think we got to see where that goes, but I'm not super worried about it at this point i think though that these this transition will bring cooler products and you will move away from the mac pro faster than you would have without cooler than a mac pro i got it's full of drives the the definition of cool is interesting there but i i would expect that you will be more tempted by what apple could make post arm transition than you would have been pre-arm transition that's just my feeling on that one yeah we'll see the price is obviously a big sticking point right (laughs) you will sell that to kyle and then buy an imac pro again Mm. that's what's gonna happen Mm. (laughs) you know it too you know it i cannot this machine was so expensive okay this episode 298 Mm -hmm. 
recorded in June of 2020. I have said what I have said. Stephen has said what he has said. The history books have been recorded of this conversation. Federico, would you like to enter any statement in before we close the chapter on what has just been uh, stated by me and Stephen? Oh, he's going to buy a, a new Mac Pro, whatever that's going to look like as soon as it gets announced, for sure. Mm-hmm. And whatever the new Pro thing is going to be, he's going to buy one. And he's going to sell his yeah. existing Mac Pro. We all know it. Mm-hmm. This shouldn't <laughs> even be a conversation. It's just a, a fact. Yeah, like... The, the, just the mere idea of what is currently sitting under your desk mm-hmm. yeah. proves this entire point. Yeah, you're not going to be able to live with the feeling of knowing that you're owning a piece of discontinued hardware. Wait, no, 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 that's not correct. Think of who you're saying it's to. <laughs> Stephen loves discontinued hardware more than anybody else. <laughs> you're not going to be... So let me rephrase. You're not going to be able to live with the feeling that you're not using the latest and greatest pro computer from Apple. Yes, that's better. It was moved from under the desk to the shelf, is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I think you're going to sell it, but maybe you're going to keep like parts of it. Mm. Keep the feet and sh- ship it to somebody without any feet on it. Yeah. They just keep those. Yeah, and that will be a machine to sell. I would expect those Mac Pros will retain value for, for quite a yeah, while. I think so. so, like, it won't be too difficult for you to move, but you will move as soon as something exciting enough comes along. Especially if Apple doesn't re- have uh, emulation, <laughs> right? It's like, I can't run any x86 apps. Somebody will be stuck in a in a bad spot with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, let's. Uh, there's more Mac stuff to talk about, but let's take our third break. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Miro. Miro is an online whiteboard that brings teams together. Their infinite canvas is perfect for brainstorming, mock-ups, organizing files, and managing complex projects. And what's cool is they have templates to help you get started. You can host meetings in the same frame as your collaborative whiteboard, which is super handy because it means you can discuss items as you go. Uh, Mike, I know you and I, we've worked remotely our entire career together, and it's actually been hard to find good software to kind of make this happen, right? Like, how many Google Docs do we have that are just ideas strewn in some sort of order? A billion. Miro is a great solution for this problem. They have over 5 million users, and 80% of the Fortune 100 companies out there use Miro. Those are impressive stats. And Miro can integrate with the programs you already use, like Google Drive, Dropbox, Slack, and more. Start collaborating for free when you sign up for an account at Miro.com slash connected. That's M-I-R-O dot com slash connected. Sign up for a free account with unlimited team members. Miro.com slash connected. Our thanks to Miro for their support of Connected and all of Relay FM. New iMac. This is a tweet from Sonny Dixon, who has been spot on with some of their reports recently. A new iMac is incoming at WWDC. iPad Pro design language with Pro Display-like bezels. T2 chip, AMD Navi GPU, and no more Fusion Drive. Hmm. Sounds sounds pretty good. Uh, People complain about the iMac with uh, the bezels and the design. It hasn't been updated since 2012. And the spinning disks. And the spinning disks. Still around is ridiculous and so this would be a modern iMac inside and out can i just say about the ipad pro design quote unquote this is just apple's 2020 design language right like the iphone is apparently going to get those flat edges 
the iMac may get, I guess, flat edges. I don't exactly know how it would translate from iPad to iMac, but there are some ways that it could. Uh, I think this is just going to be the design language, right? For a bit, it seems like. I mean, I wouldn't complain. It's a pretty good design language, especially if they do it like, yes. imagine iPhone, iPad Pro and iMac all with the same like flat edges and stuff. Like That would look lovely. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even an iMac person, but that would look fantastic, I think. Mm-hmm. They could do an Apple Watch like that, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, but it's kind of fun to, to... No, no, they could. There's no reason why they couldn't. Just jab your wrist anytime you bend your yeah. arm. Uh, watches have sharp edges. So there, there seems to be some smoke here. iMac ship dates are slipping. That's uh, according to 9to5Mac, especially the 27-inch model. Which like, does make me worry. Like, are they going to leave the twenty one as terrible and old? But who knows? Um, wasn't there a rumor of like a twenty? Yeah, three or like there was like some some rumor. Yeah, moving it to twenty three and twenty seven, I think, or twenty three and twenty nine. I don't, I don't remember. But making it a little bit bigger. That I don't know if last time you guys sat down a twenty one inch display. Oh, my, Federico, you are right now. You have an LG four K. It's not the biggest thing in the world. It could, a lot of people want something bigger, I think. I want something bigger. I like my 27-inch display. Well, you want bigger than that? I don't know. You know, I, I haven't looked at a Pro Display XDR outside of Apple's hands-on thing at WWDC last year, but I know John Sakusa talked about it, how like the thir- it's 32 inches, right? You have to really like move your head to see everything, and that could be weird, maybe. But I like 27. 27 is great. According to the China Times, spotted by Mac Otakara, 23-inch iMac rumored to launch in the second half of 2020. So that would be that, right? Because if it if you take the 21-inch iMac and reduce the bezels, maybe you get close to 23 anyway, right? Yeah. So that could be how you end up with that screen size. So I have a question. Yeah, like like they did the 16-inch MacBook Pro. Yeah, kind of. So I have a question. Mm-hmm. Intel or ARM? I think... So I just want to say, mm. like, you can show it off at WWDC, but it could come December, January, like they've done in the past. The, the Mac Pro was shown off this way. The iMac Pro was shown off this way. Like, it is not out of the ordinary for Apple to also, as well as say, like, we have this computer, it's available now, say we have this computer, it's available later. Like, it would be, you know, I, I, I can. there are multiple schools of thought on this, right? That you can say, well, you wouldn't want to show that you're moving away from Intel and then say, buy this new expensive computer, it has an Intel chip in it. Um, but you can also say, well, you want a product that people will still want to buy because people won't want to buy Intel Macs anyway like or want to buy them less so if you have a cool intel mac that you're also putting on sale maybe that will continue some mac sales going as even though people are ready to move i actually don't know how i feel about that but i could still imagine this being like oh and this is going to be the first computer that people buy and it's an arm imac maybe and and again like uh stop forgive me for going back to this well but this is what they've done before Right, those first Intel machines, there was an iMac and a MacBook Pro. But the iMac G5 got a redesign late in 05, like three months, I think, before the Intel one came out. It was the iMac G5 with iSight. And 
the Intel iMac looked just like it. It's like there were some people I think were sure were upset that they bought an iMac G5 with a camera in it, and then it got way better three months later. But it could be that we see this iMac pretty soon, and then it moves to ARM later. And it's like, hey, it's the same iMac. I mean, in the past when they've done this, most of the Macs look pretty much the same. The only difference is the iBook went to the MacBook, which is drastically different. So I could see this falling on the Intel side of things pretty easily. What about biometrics? Like face ID? Yeah. Face face ID, touch ID. Like, could you imagine anything in this computer that would be more than this? Or do you think they may want to just continue to double down on the Apple Watch as the biometric unlocking option for uh, desktop Macs? I mean, face ID would make sense, right? You're sitting in front of it. Mm-hmm. So I that would be pretty sweet. And I think the Apple Watch, the, the authentication system, it works okay. It's pretty nice, actually, but it requires you to have an Apple Watch. So I do think they could do, especially because they have the T2 stuff going, they could do Face ID. And it would be like, when you think about it, like the ideal form factor because you're just you're sitting you're sitting right in front of it, so it's looking straight at you. And on the Mac, you wouldn't even have well, you wouldn't necessarily have the same constraints space wise space wise as an iPhone in terms of like fitting the sensor in a tiny tiny you know housing. So it will make a lot of sense, I think. Touch ID, you're gonna have Touch ID where in a wireless keyboard or like at the side of the iMac, like you just press your finger to the side of the computer because there's a fingerprint reader there. I think the most obvious place would be the power button of a wireless keyboard. But I think we talked about this before, that the difficulties of uh, having um, biometrics in a wireless keyboard that needs to talk over Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Uh, We don't know if that's possible yet. Well, but the... the both the Apple Watch and the phone are doing biometric authentication and sending that to the Mac for different things. For different things. Yeah, the, I mean, the Apple Watch is basically its own computer. So, mm-hmm. like, what? you need The Apple Watch also, you need to unlock it when you put it on. And the Magic, like a Magic Keyboard, why you would unlock the Magic Keyboard so that it authenticates you and then you can use Touch ID? I don't know. Well, like, Touch ID would be the unlocking of the keyboard, but I, I think it's too much for a keyboard to put uh, enough of the chips inside of it that it could do the authentication. So Face ID will make the most sense. Yeah, and they could have that as a, a big pitch to why our Macs are better. Oh, we can do this now. Like Maybe they could have done it before with the T2, but they may make a big deal of it. Right. As this is a feature of our Macs. And, you know, keep Touch ID on the notebooks. I think Touch ID on laptops is is great. It's on the keyboard. Your hands are already there. The You know, the lid's really thin. But, like, the iMac has got room in there. The Pro Display definitely has room in there. So I, I, I could see this playing out that way as, a, oh, you've always wanted this, and if you want it, you got to upgrade. You mentioned the Pro Display. What about a non-Pro Display? Uh, a Pro Display non-XDR. Hmm. I, mean, I, I would like that. I've got the LG 5K, and I'm happy with it. But I think a lot of people would like an Apple-branded 5K, you know, 27-inch display. It's a really good size, and having the features of the Pro Display aren't important to a lot of people. I don't need a bajillion nits of brightness for 
extended dynamic range color monitoring, right? Like I don't need that and I don't want to pay for it, which is why I have an LG 5K. But having something that looked like it using this new design language, which I agree with y'all is really nice, but just like an iMac without the guts just turned into a display, that'd be fantastic. And they haven't done it. And I think, I think they've probably heard from a lot of Mac Pro and Mac Mini users, even notebook users who use it in clamshell mode, that they want an Apple display that is not what the Pro Display XDR is. And so maybe that could be based on this design as well. So I think that does it this week. Next week, we will be doing our annual Rickies, our picks for WBDC. So be prepared for that. We're looking forward to uh, to that. You know, it's kind of weird that this week is probably when WWDC would be, maybe last week. And so it feels, I feel like my idea of what summer is, is off a little bit, but I'll be glad to get into some WWDC stuff with, with you guys in the next several mm-hmm. weeks. I'm excited. I am excited. I can tell. Are you ex- Yeah, let's go. Dub, dub. Okay. Too much. Too much? I mean, I hit my desk earlier and said we have a gate, so... Mm. I had some caffeine. It's very exciting. Now it's back with the ASMR stuff. If you want to find links to stuff we spoke about, head on over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 298. While you're there, there's a lot of fun activities. You can check out those links. Go visit the websites we spoke about. Definitely go check out that John Oliver video. But you can also do some other things. You can send me an email with feedback or follow-up. Uh, if it's mean, I just send it to Mike to deal with. But if it's nice, uh, I keep it for myself because... I like a little sunshine in my day. If Steven sends me mean feedback, I will just archive it. <laughs> if you want to join Relay FM to support Connected directly, you can do that as well on that page. If you were on Twitter and you want to get in touch there, uh, we're there. We're hanging out. You can find Mike there as I-M-Y-K-E. You can find Mike's work all over Relay FM, a bunch of shows. Uh I would say, if you haven't checked out The Test Drivers, I'm really enjoying it. So go check that out with Austin Evans. I, that's a show that is in the top of my queue when it comes out. Yeah, I really like Austin. You're okay, but Austin's pretty cool. Austin's the, the real winner. If you want to find Federico online, he is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. He is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. I'm sure you guys have a lot planned for mm-hmm. WBDC. Yeah. But you just, no, you're not going to do anything? Uh, yeah, no, we do. I you said, do? yeah. Okay. I, okay. I agree with you. Good. That's good. I'm glad you... John's doing it, right? John's going to be busy. Uh, it's not like I'm doing nothing. I'm, I'm overseeing. You're over, oh, yeah. The management. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're the president of Mac Stories. Yes. You just did this big thing about OmniFocus that people should go read. We'll, we'll uh, put that in the show notes for people to check out. It's great. I mean, you could do it, um, you know, probably with Remember the Milk or whatever, but... It's cool. Sure. <laughs> I mean, you, you can do. You actually can do custom views in Remember the Milk, but uh, yeah, I don't think you I can do. I don't think you can do the custom icons for those views. You know, your perspective that. stuff is really interesting, and it has me rethinking everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. thanks for that. You, what are you on right now? What are you going to switch from into? I'm into Doist. Yeah, you're into yeah. Doist. Okay. Always come back to it. He talks. He, he has this all this. He does all this big talk about Remember the Milk. He hasn't used the thing in Never years. Uses it. I don't know why. Are you like part of an affiliate program or something that you keep bringing it up? (laughs) (laughs) Why would you? (laughs) Are you taking money from Big Milk? (laughs) The Big Milk industry? I can't drink real milk, so I got uh, involved with a software company with milk in their name. Mm, You got fake milk Mm -hmm. only. 
You can find me on Twitter as ISMH and my writing at 512pixels.net. I just did a video about the white iPhone 4 because the iPhone 4 turned 10 years old this past weekend. And it was fun to talk about the really weird story of a phone that barely made it out the door. So uh, go watch that if you haven't watched it. I think our sponsors this week, Pingdom, ExpressVPN, and Miro. And until next week, the week of the Rickies, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Love you. Bye.